0: The Feminist Coach Academy podcast is proudly supported by Perk Digital, helping professional and entrepreneurial women amplify their message, build their body of work, and leave a legacy through podcasts. For more information about how podcasts can help you build your brand, visit perkdigital.com.au.
1: Welcome to the Feminist Coach Academy podcast, where inclusive feminism, business, and coaching meet. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the co-founders of the Feminist Coach Academy, Naomi Arnold and Cameron Aaron. We are feminist life and biz coaches, both passionate about helping coaches, therapists, helping professionals. Practitioners and entrepreneurs integrate a feminist lens and perspective into their businesses, life, and client practice. On this podcast, we plan to help you do so. Now, let's get started. Okay. So first of all, um, just want to ask, starting to ask this of every guest, um, what pronouns do you use? I use she and her. Okay, great. And I think I will have you introduce yourself, if that's okay.
0: Okay. My name is Jolinda Johnson, and I'm a wellness mentor and priestess and I help my clients break up with burnout and return to the wild, whole, healthy, and free. I specialize in hormone health, in burnout prevention and recovery, and I'm really focused on helping my clients to tap into what feels good, not just what makes sense. And to come to a place of wholeness and wellness on their own terms and kind of redefining what wellness means for them outside of the package that we're sold and what it should look like. How does it actually feel and look in your life? And really working to build that connection between the mind and the body that is so often lost, especially in terms of chronic stress and just the modern day (laughs) situations that we find ourselves in. We give so much importance to the mind and the thinking brain and we discount our body signals. So a big part of my work is really helping my clients to tap into what their body is saying and acknowledge that as real and valid and and just in general that whatever they're experiencing is also valid, regardless of how it measures up to the standard. What we feel, live, believe is valid. And that's a big part of, of what I do as well.
1: Beautiful. That's a beautiful intro. Yeah. So I think kind of continuing that I think what I'd love to hear is how you got into this work and kind of your own, I'm I'm assuming there's like some personal journey here that's connected to why you do what you do. So I'm curious if you'd be willing to share anything that you feel comfortable sharing around that. Of
0: course. um, It's been quite an evolution since I first did my health coach certification back in 2012. And, in the middle of doing that certification, I was diagnosed with a chronic disease called ankylosing spondylitis, and so I was following a diet that all vegan, plant-based, I thought that it was exceptional, you know I, I thought I was the the perfect health coach, so to speak, and then I was diagnosed with this chronic disease that really made me take a hard look at how I wasn't paying attention to what my body wanted, that I was only doing the things that I thought were correct based on what I thought a health coach should do and how a health coach should look and the things that a health coach should talk about. And it took me uh, several more years to really start realizing that I wanted to go in a different direction because originally Doing my health coach certification, I thought that I would help people heal their relationship with food. And then it became, how can I help women who wanted to have children? How could I use all of my knowledge to help them maximize their chances of uh, conception? And that's when I became a uh, fertility coach. And I say women because at that point, I was still very much focused on just, you know, those who identified as women and very blind to any issues of gender. And then I got very tired of being in the world of infertility because I always wanted to be a fertility coach and help women to be proactive and understand what would facilitate an easy conception so that they wouldn't have to struggle so much. But a lot of people aren't interested in being proactive. They're only interested in solving a crisis. And I decided to move away from the world of infertility after a couple of years. And I was very successful in terms of, you know, the the work I did with my clients and helping women achieve pregnancy, but it was draining me. And that's when I decided to open things up and become uh, or start calling myself a women's health coach. And i began focusing on not only fertility but also the menstrual cycle what makes a healthy menstrual cycle, and working with the phases of the menstrual cycle, which has become very popular now, which is something else that we can discuss because I have a few issues with that, kind of you know working with the feminine, which again is something that and I think about where I was two years ago from now, you know all of these things that I, that I was really passionate about have just in the last year um, fallen away quite a bit, but that 's why I say it 's been quite an evolution. I did my life coach certification in two thousand and sixteen, so that brought another layer into it. I went on a journey to becoming a priestess, a fourteen month journey because I knew that I had all of the you know the the body. And the mind covered with my health coach and my life coach certification, but I really wanted to bring the spiritual side into it. And it's funny because at this point, being a priestess really isn't about helping my clients connect to their spirituality, which I do. Yes. But for me being a priestess is really bringing in this piece of sacred activism and shining a light on uh, topics that are not spoken as much about, they're right in front of us, but they're not acknowledged, and giving voice to that, and really staying committed to inclusion, and yeah, just constantly working on dismantling the patriarchy, (laughs) internally, externally, and that's really why I no longer call myself women's health coach. because. Health coaching is very much about supporting the patriarchy, as you know. from the title to the places that you go to become certified as a health coach, to the things that health coaches are, the typical health coach talks about. I'm not interested in helping my clients to uh, lose weight, look younger, use their menstrual cycle as a measure against themselves of how they should feel, you know. That's the thing that's happening lately in the women's health coaching space. It's it's like, you know, knowing about your menstrual cycle and the phases of your menstrual cycle should help you to build a deeper relationship with your body. And instead, what I'm seeing is it's being used as just one way to override how your body is feeling. I should, like, I'm in my spring, so I should be doing this. I'm in my summer, so I should be feeling this way. Oh, no, I'm not feeling that way. But what does that, you know... It's like, let's get back to basics. Your body knows. Your body always knows. And the same with food. You know, what I love is for my clients to be able to have a relationship with food that's very much based on pleasure and permission, <laughs> you know, permission to eat, to stop all of the analyzing and the, uh, the measuring and the self-blame. Because at the end of the day, it's really a beautiful thing when you can allow your body to guide you toward certain foods and use your body as feedback, not, oh, I should be eating this much today or, oh, this is on my meal plan. But like, what would happen if you gave your body free rein and you allowed yourself to really feel incredible after each meal, feel nourished after each meal, not numb, not tapped out, not guilty, but just fully and vibrantly nourished it's something most of us haven't experienced so that's a very long answer to your question cam but <laughs> that's that's kind of my road that i've traveled in the last uh 10 years
1: well, that was perfect because that that covered several questions <laughs> 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 there's so much there i want to get into it's hard to pick where to go next but i think I think I'll start with like just some of the oppressive messages that we have gotten in the wellness spaces and the health and wellness spaces and about our bodies and our relationship to our bodies. And, you know, you mentioned patriarchy and we know as feminists, like how much patriarchy and white supremacy and ableism are trying to control our bodies right and yes and those who've been socialized those of us have been socialized as women we get it in a very particular way right and mm-hmm. you know it's all about our relationship to food and bodies we've been taught to like to constantly police ourselves and like we can't have yes not have that and you know and we should look this way and not that way and like the, all of these messages that have just and they're so seeped in, they're so deep seated that even those of us that become more aware of this, we still have it in us. Yeah, I do. And I'm mm-hmm. also like, I notice it and some things are so deep in there that like, I'll acknowledge that, yeah, this comes from oppression. Yeah. But I'm also feeling like I'm so far away from freeing myself from that right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important to acknowledge that.
0: Yeah. So the toxic messages, well, you know, I have a chronic condition that I need to manage for life. And one of the ways that I manage it is through food, because if I eat certain foods, I experience more pain and inflammation. And when I share a smoothie recipe that has undenatured whey protein and a greens powder an organic greens powder and, and you know avocado and raw cacao nibs I love it I love I love eating that way but wow is that steeped in privilege you know right. I sometimes think like if you feel guilty about chocolate the only reason is should be because of where that chocolates come from right. not, not to do with the actual food but like who talks about the ethics of chocolate right yeah. um, very few people avocados you know I have I have half an avocado every day and sometimes I think oh wow like one this is so not accessible to so many people and two when you look at where avocados come from you know that's an issue but with food a lot of times we just kind of turn a blind eye if it's not convenient we turn a blind eye but I think that one of the things in the world of wellness that really is not addressed enough is that a lot of people do not have access to the uh, equipment, you know, the high-speed blender, to the the superfoods, to the, you know, eating all organic all the time. And it's not acknowledged that that is something that is inaccessible for a lot of people. So how do you stay healthy if those things are out of reach? And one of the things that, you know, I'm very fortunate to live in Spain where You know, I'm a single mother and I am an entrepreneur and I've had months where I've had to check my bank account before I can go grocery shopping. And I fortunately have ways of eating that still support my body, but also are accessible through my bank account, where in the States, you know, when I went to visit my parents last year, I couldn't believe how much it cost just to buy the simplest things, Mm -hmm. you know, whole foods. I had forgotten just how outrageous it is. If you want to nourish your body with whole foods, how ridiculously expensive and inaccessible that is. And so that's one thing that I think really needs to be addressed more. In terms of the images that were given of what healthy is, you know, this is one thing that's been really bothering me lately, that it's, you know, we talk about the binary, you know, It's like you're either fat and fabulous and eating all the things or you are super disciplined and fit and lean and, uh, you know, it's like one or the other. I'm at a point in my life where I commit to nourishing my body every day and I release the results of that because I really don't care anymore how much I weigh if that's coming From a place of restriction or distraction or believing that for whatever reason that weight is going to equal satisfaction, happiness, success, what have you. The things that I clung to for so long, I have a a very difficult history with weight because I clung to weight loss and perfectionism as a way to try to fit in with my white friends and my white family and my father's black my mother's white but my father was always the satellite even though they're still married he was always the satellite we were estranged from his family and so my world is very much centered around whiteness in my own home let alone all the images that i was seeing over and over again growing up in the 80s and 90s in the states You know, I mean, it's still pretty bad now, but 20 years ago, forget it. You didn't see examples of women who looked like me in mass media. And just that constant need to abandon myself through dieting and denying myself through dieting. And I say, you know, I was always very good at dieting because I was always very good at denying, denying my existence denying my right to take up space denying my intuition and my body's needs and at the end of the day say what are you restricting your food for what do you think is at the end of that restriction rainbow (laughs) you know it's a pretty colorless rainbow Uh, but what do you think is at the end of that what is that weight loss going to give you because i've i've done it so many times thinking that it was going to change something in my life and it never does. But it's this illusion that keeps us divided and distracted, especially those of us who have been socialized as women. Another thing that I think is is becoming toxic these days is the the perfect menstrual cycle. And if I don't have that, then am I measuring up as a woman? That's something that I have been seeing crop up among my clients as well this idea of having to love your period and love your cycle. And if you don't, then again, this binary, you either are like running through fields and pouring your blood on plants and screaming out loud, I love my uterus, or you're just like, you know, on hormonal birth control, totally disinterested. And I think that's also very dangerous. You know, You don't have to love your menstrual cycle to be savvy about your body Mm -hmm. and the changes that are occurring and to have a basic idea of your hormones. And I really think that we're as much as I love the feminine, what you know, what we have started calling the feminine, I think that there a lot of times we say feminine when really we're just talking about taking things slow, connecting to our body, going with what feels right honoring our creativity, you know, and yet we keep saying the feminine, the feminine, you've got to be with the feminine. And so then I have women clients who identify as women who say, I don't really know if I connect with my feminine, but I still feel like I'm a woman. Aren't I valid as a woman, even if I don't really have those things as my strengths and so that's something that I think is cropping up lately that, that's becoming a bit toxic as well. And a lot of the work that I do with my clients, my one-on-one clients, is helping them to really come to an understanding of how they want to be in the world and how their body is serving them. <laughs> Every day, how, how their body is really their best ally and all the information that, it, that it's trying to give and, and being open to that instead of disconnected from it. But it takes a lot of dismantling of all of this conditioning and things that are so covert as well. Because we've been, if you don't stop and question, why is it that I feel this way about myself? The default is always, you know, white supremacism, patriarchy, capitalism, and all of the things that it wants us to believe.
1: Exactly, trying to live up to that ideal and then spend money on things that we don't actually need. Yeah. So much good stuff and everything that you just shared there. Thank you. Again, where do we begin? But yeah, I think, you know, you're really pointing out this binary thinking that we've had, that we've been taught to have, right, and and how confusing that can be, and and just how oppressive it is, right? Like either mm. this or that, and there's no in between or beyond. And and freeing ourselves from that is part of this movement of liberation, right? And liberatory wellness, if you will. Um, mm. Yeah, and redefining wellness and. And yeah, and even it's like our, you know, our bodies, you know, it's about connecting more to our bodies, because certainly the systems of oppression have disconnected us from our bodies. Yeah. Um, but also, like you said, we're not always going to like everything that our bodies are or want right. or need, right? So you mentioned yeah. the and how we don't have to like our cycles all the time. And I certainly don't. I certainly wish that I didn't have it at all, and it's perplexing to me that I have one when I've never wanted children, and I still don't, and Mm. and that I, yeah, and and so I mean, and I don't totally identify as a woman, but even so, I know so many women identify people with bodies that menstruate who do not want a period. So really that has like it's just it's like what is this biology? What is going on here? Um but I think like acknowledging that is what what we need to do, you know, and to acknowledge that no, we're not going to all run through fields bleeding on the plants and we don't all want to do that and when it's I think what you're pointing out too with everything that you said is just that there have been these ideals um, set up in the wellness spaces. And I'm thinking like of white women, people who identify as white women with their flowy dresses, and not there's anything wrong with flowy dresses, but there's a particular kind of expression and look, and you know, and saying all of these things, and yeah, like getting in tune with your femininity and like how this is now what it's about. And it just, it, kind of gets toxic. Like, it's almost like part of what we call, I've been seeing this term more and more toxic femininity. And I think that encompasses a lot of different things, but I think that might be one of them. <laughs> and just like this, I just that there's been this ideal way to be human, right? And it is particular to white womanhoodness. And and I've been learning more about that from reading the book, um, White Tears, Brown Scars. I don't know if you've like, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. talks a lot about that. And yeah. it's like unraveling layer after layer of like, oh yeah, oh my God, this, wow, I'm really understanding this a lot more, this white womanhoodness and toxic femininity and how it shows up as this sort of ideal way to be human and like the valid way to be human. And it's, it is so... Oppressive and perpetuate systems of oppression. And like, that's what I want people to see. And, and that's, you know, that's why we have our training, right? Because it's like, no, 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 please do not, you know, follow that kind of ideal and think that health and wellness is that way, you know, or is any particular way, right? And so, yeah, that's, that's what you're pointing out here. And, There's so much to unpack there. If you're ready to have a truly inclusive feminist and social justice led business and client practice, then we invite you to join the Feminist Coach Theory Certification Training that is now officially open for enrollment for our next intake. Go to feminist com to learn all the details and to enroll today. The link is also in our episode notes. If you're a helping professional or entrepreneur and this podcast resonates with you, then we would love to have you in our community.
0: Well, and I think you know, for anyone listening who hates their period, or who wishes they didn't have a period the main event of the menstrual cycle is not the period it's ovulation and regardless of whether you want children ovulation is highly important because that's how you produce progesterone and progesterone is what will help you feel grounded and calm throughout the month in the second half of your cycle highly anti-inflammatory as well if you want a smooth perimenopause, you need to have as many ovulatory cycles as possible beforehand, because when after 35, progesterone declines. So you don't want to go in with a progesterone deficit. And when you take hormonal birth control and you take synthetic progestins, that blocks the progesterone receptors. And a lot of times um, you end up with low progesterone from hormonal birth control. And that's one of the reasons why women on hormonal birth control will experience symptoms of PMS. So progesterone for me is, it's all about your mood and also preventing inflammation. Estrogen is also highly anti-inflammatory. But when we think about, that's why I say it's, it's, you don't have to love your cycle to be savvy about your hormones in your body. Because the more you understand how these things are, Just helping you to feel your best, regardless of your role as, you know, a baby maker, you know, you begin to appreciate, oh, that's why that matters, you know. Is the goal to feel good all the time? I think the goal is to feel capable in your body, to not have your body work against you (laughs) because... I think it can be, you know, until you you experience a chronic health condition.
1: Yeah, so is it a matter of shifting your perspective of like, I'm going to look at this differently and I'm going to have, you know, what relationship am I going to have to this? And
0: I think it's, for me, it's,
1: you know, because we can't constantly be chasing this
0: idea of like health and happiness and, you know, but I think that it comes down to, befriending your body and claiming an alliance with your body. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to meet you where you are, because that's another big thing that in the world of wellness, it's I'm going to fix you. Right. As opposed to I'm going to meet you where you are and I'm going to support you starting from there. And when you have a chronic condition, that's where you have to start every day. It's like, okay, how do I need to move today? How do I need to arrange my day today? What's going to be most supportive today? What will I need to let go of today because mm-hmm. it's not going to be possible? And to let go of the sense of betrayal. And I think that this happens, especially among those who identify as, uh, as women or have been socialized as women, this sense that your body is somehow betraying you when it's not acting the way that you want it to.
1: Yeah, I definitely.
0: And, you know, your body has one one goal. Every day it's trying to maintain balance. That's all it wants. (laughs) (laughs) Every day it just wants to be in balance. And then we throw all of this stuff at it and, like, you know, try to deal with that. But it's really just about meeting yourself where you are. And remaining committed to that friendship and that communication as well. You know, when you think of um, uh, our relationship with rest, a lot of us have a very toxic relationship with rest. If you thought of your body as a friend who came to you looking dog tired, you would never say, well, you know, you can rest when you get that goal accomplished, but not right now.
1: Right. You would
0: say, oh, look at you. I think you might need a nap. (laughs) I don't deserve a nap. And you would say, what are you talking about? You don't earn naps. You're tired. Take a break. But how many of us in our inner dialogue are like, oh, I'm so tired, but I've got to get this done. So where's the coffee?
1: Yeah, right. And we think we have to earn the things that we have to earn rest and we have to earn self care and we have to earn pleasure and we don't. Yeah.
0: Yeah, And I think that it's also really important to, when we're talking about our relationship with our bodies, a lot of us will use our bodies as our battlefields and our bodies aren't the ones that deserve the attack, you know? So when you find yourself engaging in in practices of self-harm, whether it be through substances uh, or food or alcohol, you know, it's looking at where does this actually need to be directed? because that 's something I did for years, I would turn everything on myself, and all of the things that i'm talking about now you know i didn 't have the courage to open my mouth and talk about them, but I knew something was off, and so how did that manifest you know through binging through bulimia, through anorexia i you know I navigated all of that through food, but it 's not the food yeah it's not the food that needed managing it was the burnout it was the you know the oppression that i was experiencing as a result of racism and ableism you know i i was born with a club foot so i couldn't walk normally until i was 11 and i still can't wear certain shoes so sometimes i'll get questioned you know are you okay are you limping you know things like that where you feel like you have to work twice as hard to keep it covered and that really can affect the relationship you have with your body because it's like you're calling attention to me. You know, I'm just trying to fit into the standard and you're calling attention to me. So I'm going to harm you. Mm. But at the end of the day, you're harming yourself. You only get one body, Mm. you know. So it's not about feeling happy and good and la, la, la. It's about recognizing that you only get one and how can you support it so that the one you have stays with you until the end <laughs> in good condition in best, you know, in the best condition possible to help you do the things you're actually meant to do in the world. And you're not meant to have a perfect body, but you are meant to do bigger things that require you to be here in a body.
1: Uh-huh. Right, right. Yeah. That's a good point. So I'm giving you lots of boxes today. Kim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is good. Well, yeah, let's talk more about sacred activism and, I know, like, you know, you're in the Feminist Coach Academy and I know you've been a lot more inclusive. So I was just wondering if you could share more about how you've been doing that and what you've been learning around that. Yeah. Well, one of the
0: main reasons why I wanted to join the Feminist Coach Academy, I mean, it was very much like when I started my priestess journey because I got a, a very strong intuitive hit that I was supposed to sign up for the pilot classes. Um, And one thing that I knew I needed to work on was gender and my relationship with gender in my business because, as I mentioned before, I referred to myself as a women's health coach and I didn't really know how to be more inclusive within that label, (laughs) And what that would look like if I let go of that label, like who would I be then? How would people know what I was focusing on, what my niche was? You know, there's such an obsession in coaching with the niche. And then I had a conversation with a friend of mine whose daughter, or I should say child, who was assigned female at birth, who uh, identifies as non-binary, You know, she was telling me about their struggles and as a teenager and some of the conversations that they've been having and decisions they've been making. And I thought, wow, when she gets a little older, I could definitely help her with some of these things, but she wouldn't know it because I'm constantly talking about women. And that was a light bulb for me because... I remember a conversation that happened uh, on Instagram a couple of years ago that really shook me because it was on the account of someone who has a very large following, you know, over 10,000. And a trans woman said that she would like to see more inclusive language on the account. And instead of accepting that as a teachable moment, the person who has the account of over 10,000 followers got very defensive, said that, that that it was an account for women, you know, in caps. And then she put it in her stories as saying, what do you think of this? Am I being inappropriate? And then she highlighted all of the transphobic comments. And I just thought, wow, that's madness to me that someone just wanted to see themselves represented, someone who experiences the hormonal changes that she was addressing in the post just wants to see herself included in the language. And instead of being embraced and applauded for the courage that it takes, you know, it takes a lot of courage when you are part of a marginalized group to say I'm not being represented to just be blasted in that, in that way, really hurt me as well. And, um, I thought I need to do better. And so, I, I think that's the other thing that, you know, from this year and, uh, you know, I, I identify as a black woman, which has been quite a journey for me as well, because I was raised by a white woman who'd never wanted me to call myself black. And I identify as a black woman and I've seen so many people who, if I said, you are racist, they would say, I'm not racist. What are you talking about? Well, you've not, you, you haven't said anything in these last six months to show me that you're not racist. You haven't shown me anything to to say that you're anti-racist. And I think this year has shown me that you've got to be really clear if with your language. You have to be explicit. And if you're not being explicit, then people won't feel safe because there are so many people With whom I no longer feel safe because they've had so many opportunities to show that they are on the side of anti-racism and they haven't. So that's why I made a decision and especially as a result of the training in the Feminist Coach Academy and, and your guidance as well, Cam, you know, to really look at how can I take away the gendered language and still focus on the things that I'm here to focus on. And what was interesting for me was seeing how my copy actually became more powerful without the gendered language, as opposed to more confusing, because I think that's another thing that I was like, but it's just going to sound so vague. And and actually it gave me opportunities to be even more specific. And moving forward, burnout is going to be, my primary focus that's something i've decided and the great thing is is, is that burnout really the, you know it involves all of the knowledge that i have about hormones and and menstrual cycles because those things are you know affected i can talk about things like ableism and sexism and heterosexism and racism and tokenism and how that plays into burnout and you know that's the other thing that something that I've I've realized that we tend to blame ourselves so much for not fitting into this system that was designed to keep us oppressed. And so if we feel oppressed by that, then it's our fault. It's not that we're in a system designed to oppress us. It's that we aren't capable of fitting into that system. And um, that in itself takes a toll when it comes to burnout and chronic stress, obviously. Those systems put you in a state of chronic stress because they know through research that even the anticipation of discrimination, the remembrance of marginalization or seeing those from a group that you identify with being targeted, not experiencing it yourself, but seeing it done to others elicits the stress response. And some of us live in this for decades without actually addressing that and giving ourselves opportunities to unpack the trauma and the, you know especially the relational trauma that happens over time. So those are some of the things that I've been really trying to do better and what's
1: inspiring me right now in my work. I've really, really loved seeing the changes that you've been making and how you're genuinely interested and genuinely dedicated to it you can tell when people are just doing it out of performance and when people are doing it cuz they genuinely want to and i can tell that you're genuine and and that it's not this when you are making changes and being more inclusive it's not like there's a destination or like that you're mm-hmm. going to be perfect at it but like it's this journey of unraveling the layers and just starting where you're at and just making the small changes know now without it having to be totally perfect and yeah things right like it's in this process of unlearning it takes a while for our brains to catch up for our brains to make all the connections and go oh yeah i you know like you get where you're not inclusive but then there's like another level and then you're like oh yeah you know and and same with me yeah. right like we're all human and So I just like for people listening, want that to be clear that there's not this linear path Mm -hmm. and it's messy, but it's, it's more important to just start taking little actions now of being imperfect just to show that you do care and that you do want to be inclusive. And I totally agree that we're at the point now when society and on social media where, if you're if you're on there if you have any kind of platform or you know you're you're a helping professional or entrepreneur and you're promoting yourself on there you do kind of need to take a stand about yeah. where you're at you know are you for are you anti-racist are you actively trying to be are you anti-transphobic are you actively trying to be you know mm-hmm. and because We're looking for that now, you know, and if somebody's looking for a practitioner like you, but you haven't said anything about how, you know, you might in your head and in your heart be there, but you haven't said anything to your community, your community is going to go, this person obviously doesn't give a shit. So I'm not going to give a shit. It's, I've changed my opinion on it, where I feel like we're at a point now where you got to say something and yeah it's no longer acceptable to, to be a practitioner and not address systemic oppression. And we are actually in the minority of that. We are in the minority of being practitioners who acknowledge systemic oppression. And a fucking black mm-hmm. square is not enough. You know, that is not it. And so, like, on it, I'm talking about ongoing basis here, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is what, because it's, it's a lifelong process we are lifelong students of this and so yeah yeah, I think that if you're interested at all genuinely in really being inclusive and advocating feminism inclusive feminism you have to start communicating that on your platforms with your people with your clients with your community you have to let people know because we do it imperfectly you know but you got to do something
0: yeah I mean, I think that the the weight of perfectionism is real yeah. and how much of a pillar it is when it comes to these systems of oppression. Uh, I mean, perfectionism and white supremacism go hand in hand. And the first time I heard that several years ago, I was like, what? And then I realized, oh, right, yeah, because how is it that systems of oppression are able to exist for so long because we're all so afraid of saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, looking like we don't know what we're talking about, maintaining this illusion of being an expert for the status and the vanity. And you have to let that go because what is it that you're really here to do? And, I was talking earlier today about, you know, what visibility means to me at this point. And when I first started out as a coach, visibility was very much about being on my stories every day and look at me, look at me now. And now visibility is when it comes to people looking at me, it's look at me as a black woman who is a minority in her field and is talking about things that most people don't talk about. That's a visibility that I care about because that helps other women who look like me and other coaches who look like me feel validated in their experience. But it also, even more importantly, visibility for me is helping other people feel visible, helping other people feel seen. If I can make one of my followers or clients, or I mean, that experience of I see you, I get you, everything that you are experiencing is real. It's not imagined. And that is huge because so many of us who are minorities or or who have felt marginalized feel like we're just making this stuff up, you know, that our bodies are tense and tired because we're the problem. You know, we're the problem and we need to be fixed. It's not the systems that we're living in that are the problem. So that's something that's really important to me. Currently, helping other people feel seen and helping them feel seen through my own visibility.
1: Beautiful. I think that's a beautiful way of putting it. Well, I feel like we kind of covered so much and there's <laughs> so much more to unravel, but I think that's a good place to stop for now. <laughs> but really, really enjoyed this chat with you and thank you for, you know being so generous with discussing this and telling your story and your experience and your expertise. Thank you, Kim. It's been a pleasure to be here. Oh, good. Well, so is there anything else you want to share? Where can people find you? Do you have any, anything you want to promote? Feel free.
0: Well, people can find me on Instagram at coach Jolinda. In my Facebook group the rebel health collective I have a free five-part video series called five warning signs of burnout most brilliant beings miss that I highly recommend (laughs) and um, I will be launching my course about hormones and the uh, the hormones most affected during burnout I'll be launching that again at the beginning of the new year so Excited for that!
1: Cool, great, awesome. Uh, <laughs> the listeners check out Jill, Linda, check out those links. And we have them in the episode notes. Well, thank you so much again. This has been <laughs> a pleasure. Thanks, Ken. Doors to our March intake are open. We are accepting enrollments for our March intake. If this podcast resonates with you and you're a helping professional or an entrepreneur, and you are ready to implement an inclusive feminist awareness and practice into your business and your client practice and your everyday life, then hop on board. This is the training for you. We would love to have you in our community. To learn all the details, including the teachers in the classes that are in the training, plus all the live calls and everything that's included, go to feministcoachacademycourses.com. There you will learn everything. There's an FAQ section at the bottom as well to answer further questions that you have and there you can enroll so if this feels right for you right now then we would love to have you you can click the link in our episode notes to go to our sales page and to enroll now hope to see you in our community thank you for listening we appreciate you And if you're interested in our certification training and getting certified in Feminist Coach Theory and learning how to integrate an inclusive feminist awareness and analysis of practice into your work with your clients and your business, please go to feministcoachacademycourses.com to learn all about our certification training and to enroll now for our next intake. We are accepting enrollments for our next intake and we would love to have you join us also go to our website feministcoachacademy.com to grab more of our free resources and to listen to other podcast episodes make sure you are subscribed to our podcast in itunes or spotify and that you're following us on social media at feminist coach academy on instagram and facebook And if you love our podcast, we would love it if you would rate and write us a review in iTunes. That would be amazing. Thank you so much. Have a joyful rest of your day.